Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God good? Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord is here today in this place. And I thank God for the spirit that we feel here. And uh, the Lord is definitely moving and doing a work. And I do want to uh, give honor to your pastor in his absence tonight, uh, or today, taking some time off. And uh, when you're working in ministry and pastoring and it's uh, not a nine-to-five job where you punch the clock and, and you leave everything at the office. Uh, you carry it. You carry it on your heart. You carry it. Your family cares, carries the burden with you, your wife, your kids. And so I think it's just a wonderful thing that you're allowing your pastor to get some time off and, and uh, take, take some time away. Uh, and I know some pastors, preachers, don't, don't put any of their social life or any of their uh, leisure time on Facebook or social media because they don't want people to think that's all they do. Uh, but I thank the Lord for people that understand and are praying for our pastors and our leaders. If you believe that, if you thank God for your leadership, just thank Him today. Say, Lord, thank you for the people you've put in this church. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Justin, for helping us out. Got the music team. Didn't they do a great job this morning? Give them a hand. They're doing a wonderful job. Great singing, great worship. Praise God. And I want to uh, turn to the word of the Lord, John chapter 5. And if you would, stand with me for just a minute. We're going to read some scriptures here. John chapter 5 and verse 1. And uh, what an honor it is to see everybody here today. You got up, combed your hair, most of you. No, I'm just kidding. Praise God. And uh, here we are together, worshiping the Lord. And what a wonderful privilege it is to praise Him. John chapter 5 and verse 1, Jesus is coming into his Galilean ministry. And it says that after there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And the Bible said, verse 5, there was a man there that had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case he saith unto him let me get my glasses out here I'm getting older 36 now falling apart he said wilt thou be made whole the impotent man answered him sir I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool but while I'm coming another steppeth down before me Jesus saith unto him rise take up thy bed and walk and immediately verse 9 the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked and on the same day was the Sabbath. Going down to verse 16, the Bible says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Praise God. And I want to just preach to you for a little while from this subject. They said I could preach till 1, but you're leaving at noon, so I'll keep that in mind. Um, I want to preach to you from this subject, from chaos to order. From chaos to order. Let's thank the Lord for his word today and ask him to have his way. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for everything that's been done in this service up to this point. And God, we ask you to have your way today. Speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake three people's hands before your seat and tell them God is good. Brother Harding, if I could get some more monitor in these, that would help me or whoever's a sound person back there. 
Praise God. Now, I didn't say tell them your life story, folks. Give, help us out here. Amen. Praise God. No, that's, I'm not talking to you, sis. You're all right. You're all right. I'm teasing. I'm just playing. You know, John is, is writing this book, the book of John, to give an argument for the deity of Jesus. And he is writing to show that Jesus is God. Now, for those of us that have been raised in Pentecost, raised in the apostolic faith, we can sometimes take this for granted, that we believe Jesus is the mighty God. We still believe that? Still believe He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He's the great I Am. And Isaiah prophesied about Him and said that, uh, he shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. He is the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When you speak the name of Jesus, you're calling on the authority of all power. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Praise God. So he is God. And John is writing to people that knew about Jesus, that knew that he was a Jew, that they were Jewish people, but he is arguing and he is giving proofs to them, just like a child when they come to their parent and say, Dad, will you buy me this $500 set of Legos? And you say, well, why? Why should I buy you these Legos? I, Dad, I need these Legos. You need them, really. Well, prove it. Dad, I only have two Lego sets, and my friend has all these sets, and if I get this set, I'll be approved by, of, by all the kids in my school. And so, okay, well, that's great. Those are the proofs that you need this. Well, in John's day, he was giving proof that Jesus was God. He was speaking to people that knew the Lord, Jehovah. They knew the God of the Old Testament, but they did not know his revelation to them in the man Christ Jesus. And I've come here today to just let somebody know that God loved us enough that He came to dwell among us. That God loves you enough that He wanted to be in this place to meet you here and to speak to your heart and to give you hope. I want somebody to know, and I was thinking about this today. As a kid, I'm the second of nine kids, best looking one out of all of them, so I'm told. But as, as a kid, I was homeschooled, I didn't have a lot of friends, and you know, with nine kids in the house, I could just go up to my room and people would forget I was alive. And you know, as I look back on that now, I think about sometimes how I always felt alone. Many times as a kid, and this is probably where all my, my comedy and impressions comes from, at least I had somebody there, Charlie Mahaney, how you doing, kid? Hallelujah. You know, I'm doing good, Brother Mahaney, you know. No, I don't know, that sounds really weird, but anyway... I remember feeling alone and how I just wanted somebody to check on me, and nobody ever did. Nobody ever came to my room. Nobody ever talked to me. If I wanted to talk to somebody, I'd have to go downstairs, and there was just chaos, people running around screaming and fighting, and it seemed like it was just always just craziness going on. And so I, I always felt like, there wasn't a place for me. But you know, I think about this, and this speaks to my life today, that, that the Lord cared enough about me 
that he would go to a cross and die for me so that he could fill me with his spirit so that I would never be alone again. That he would come to live in my heart as an eight-year-old boy. I lifted my hands and began to worship him and began to call out, Hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. And the power of God filled my life and he is with me every single day. And I want to tell somebody today, there is hope in Jesus Christ. If you're alone today, he wants to fill you. If you feel like nobody cares about you, there's a God in heaven that came to this earth that died on the cross for our sins that he wants to live in our hearts and dwell with us. If you're thankful for that, give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And so John is writing to let us know that Jesus is the express image of God, that he is God manifest. Later we find this terminology used that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Why would he have to write this? First of all, there were some people that believed that Jesus was simply a ghost with human, in, in human form or with, with this uh, human flesh. He, he did not have human flesh, but that he was a ghost. So he was just a spirit, but he wasn't uh, a fleshly man like you and I. And John was writing to let us know that Jesus was both man and God. He was fully man in the sense that he could feel pain. He could be crucified. The nails could go into his hands and he could bleed. But that he was also God in the sense that he could speak into situations and they could be changed. He could do things that only God could do. Other people believe that Jesus was simply a man, just like me, a man that was born of human parents but that somehow he had the Spirit of God resting upon him. And then when he died on the cross, that the Spirit of God lifted off of him. And so he was just an ordinary man. But John is writing in John 20 and 30, he said, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Look at verse 31. He said, But these are written. Look at your neighbor tell them, They're written so that you might believe. Tell your neighbor, it's, that's, that's so we could believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John is encouraging his readers to believe that Jesus was not just an ordinary man, but that he was the only one that could save them. Praise God. In the beginning, John is writing to people that knew about Genesis 1 and 1 that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the Bible said the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep there was chaos but notice what the next verse says can we get that up there John or I'm sorry uh, the book of Genesis chapter 1 it said and the spirit of God everybody say the spirit of God poke your neighbor and tell him the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters praise God and God said, this is, this is pivotal to our belief in God, because it said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke into the midst of the chaos. God spoke into the darkness, and he brought forth light. He brought forth order. 
That is the power of my God. That God can speak to any situation and He can bring order from it. It doesn't matter how chaotic it seems. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. It doesn't matter if things are out of control. When God begins to move, when the Spirit of God is at work, He can speak into a situation and change it around. Praise God. Anybody believe that today? I was, pre- I was in, uh, doing an internship in Alexandria, Louisiana, and uh, we were there with the Mangans, and I was so excited to be there. And, and the first day I walked in, and there was you know, Bishop G.A. Mangan. Everybody know who that is, G.A. Mangan? He was like, oh, that's exactly right. And they had Terry Shock over there. He said, like, now, guys, if you're going to live for God, you got to be a servant, and, and, and you got to do Anybody know who Terry Shock is and Brother Shock? And uh, there was just so many wonderful people. And one thing they wanted to do, they wanted to get us familiar with every aspect of the church. It was an internship. And so we worked in the children's ministry. We went to the youth ministry. We, I had a nursing home service that I would go to. But every week we went on hospital visitation. How many of you have ever been on hospital visitation? Okay, a few of you. If you haven't, I would encourage you to, to sign up for it or to become a part of it. I don't know if you have a, a visitation ministry or a nursing home ministry, but I would encourage you to be a part of it. It's, it's a place where you can literally visit people that are dying, some that are sick, some that are on their recovery, some that just need a little bit of encouragement along the road, and your, your visit can mean so much to them. Praise God. And so I was, I was with my friend Nick, and we went into this room. We'd been in there a couple times before. There was a man laying on in a hospital bed and he had he had been in a motorcycle accident and he was in a coma he'd been in a coma for weeks and his wife was there you know doing a crossword puzzle or something and we came in it was kind of routine for us and we came and said ma'am we're here to pray with you from the Pentecostal of Alexandria can we pray she said that's fine go ahead you can pray and so we begin to pray and, and all of a sudden as we begin to pray the spirit of God came into that room and there was really no, not much hope in that situation. But as we begin to pray, and I, I remember putting my hands on his feet. I thought it was kind of weird at the time. What am I doing here? <laughs> I just kind of grabbed his toes, you know. You know, itsy bitsy. Or what's that? What's that one? This little piggy went to market. Anyway, no, <laughs> things that run through your mind, right? And I begin to pray, and, and Nick and I, we just, all of a sudden, the unction of the Holy Ghost came on us. The power of God filled that room. And, and all of a sudden, that man began to twitch, and his body began to jerk, and his wife threw a book down and began to just immediately begin to weep in the presence of God. She said, he has not moved a muscle in weeks. God is touching his body and raising him up. I want you to know when the Spirit of God begins to move in a situation, he can change things in an instant, in a moment of time, God can turn it around. As a kid, I've seen a lot of fights. I've been in a lot of fights. Sometimes I've been in fights over food, right? No, that's my donut praise God my brother Sam he was one of those kids he hated to eat food that people had touched any people like that here and one day we had gone to Sam's club and we'd gotten these custard filled donuts I love they were chocolate anyway I'm starting getting hungry here but Sam had said there was this 
plate of donuts there, and he, t- he touched one, and he said, that's my donut. And so I stuck my finger, and I said, that's Sam's donut. It was not a good day. Sam and I used to get in these spats. He's younger than me, about 18 months, 20 months younger than me. We always got in these fights. I remember one day I came home from Bible school, and he had kind of become the new chief on the block, and he looked at me, and we kind of got in this staring contest, and he was getting after me about something. Who do you think you are coming in here? You're nobody. And I grabbed him. I kind of took him off guard. I grabbed him, and I threw him on the ground, and I pinned him down in a headlock. I said, don't mess with me, man. Don't mess with me. Then I got up and ran away. Praise God. <laughs> I had the upper hand. Why, why lose it? Praise God. But you know what? In all those fights, we could be running around the house screaming and yelling, carrying on. But when dad came into the room, my dad grew up in Bolivia, South America. He, was, he went into the military as a young person shooting live bullets at him. He'd been stabbed in the back by one of his commanding officers. My dad, he had tattoos and muscles and all kinds of he was just he was just tough you know you don't cry you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps he was a tough dude and when he came into the room si senor (laughs) you know yes sir the atmosphere changed when dad stepped into the room you know what there's some of us in this room today that are living in some chaos in our lives we're living in some, some disorder. Maybe there's some reports you've gotten, or maybe there's something. I really feel like the Lord is speaking to somebody today that your life is not what it needs to be. But the Lord has stepped into this place today, and when Dad steps into the room, when Father steps into the room, the atmosphere changes, and things come back into order. And Dad says, stop, don't do that anymore. And things begin to change, and things begin begin to happen the Lord has stepped into the room and whatever you need from God he can bring order to the chaos he can bring strength into a troubled life he can bring joy into sorrow how many know that's true today praise God let's thank you for that right now praise God so we have this man this man laying at the pool of Bethesda and Jesus comes in and speaks to him. How long you been here? Been here 38 years. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been in a situation. When the Lord begins to move, he can deliver you. Maybe some of us have been dealing with things for years, maybe 30 years, maybe more, 38 years, just like this man. And the Lord is saying, I can change it. I can deliver you today. I can heal that situation. Maybe you're dealing with brokenness in your life. Maybe there's somebody here you're living with pain in your spirit that you've carried for many years. The Lord can heal you. The Lord can deliver you. Praise God. And so he looked at this man. He said, do you want to be made whole? The first thing Jesus asks every one of us, do you want to be made whole? Do you want healing? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to be set free? Do you want God to work in your life? And the answer to that question is, will make all the difference in the world. And this man begins to give some excuses. He said, sir, he said, I don't have anybody to help me to get into the waters. There was an angel that would come down and trouble those waters. We don't know exactly what that means, but what the Bible tells us is that when the waters were troubled, the first person to get into the waters were healed. 
He said, I, I try to get there. I've been doing it my own way. I've been trying to do this. And, and uh, he said, every time that I get it, try to get to the water, somebody else gets down there and gets their miracle before I do. I've been trying to do it. I've been working. I've been striving. I've been doing it the best that I can. And Jesus simply says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Isn't it interesting that when God spoke in the beginning, the word of God came forth, it came forth over the waters. And here John is reaching back and pulling that into the New Testament now through Jesus. When Jesus, the word of God made flesh, begins to speak over the waters. And he brings order out of chaos. And the Bible says he said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately, it wasn't two days, it wasn't two weeks, two years, immediately the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and walked. You know, when Jesus begins to speak to your life, he can do an instantaneous work. I believe that Jesus can do an instantaneous work in somebody's life this morning. Praise God. And the Bible said that he was... Uh, carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And you know what? The Jew, the Jewish people, the religious people that day, got all upset with Jesus. And the Bible said they wanted to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? Because he had done it on the Sabbath day. Now, the Sabbath day was intended to be a day of rest, a day when people would think about the Lord, think about what he had done, remember his mighty works. And yet, people that were the religious leaders of that day were so concerned that people were going to break the Sabbath and uh, fall down in their walk with God and instead of leading them to a place where they served the Lord out of their hearts and lived above and beyond the laws, they said, we're going to make sure everybody obeys the law to the letter. And they had what they call the holiness police out there. And they were getting after Jesus because... They had created, they had taken the laws of God and they had added their laws on top of that. So the law said you could not carry a burden on the Sabbath day. God did not want you to work. He wanted you to remember his goodness. Now we know that Jesus came to fulfill the law and now every day is a Sabbath for us. We live in the rest. We live in, and we don't observe any particular days. We observe uh, the glory of the Lord, that He's moved in our lives. He's given us rest. Every day can be the Sabbath day in our lives through Jesus Christ. Praise God. But in those days, they had created what they called sun laws. So the Bible said you couldn't reap on the Sabbath. God didn't want you out in the fields working. He wanted you to be at home with your family, serving the Lord, honoring Him, thinking about His goodness. But they said, you know what, we're going to help people because uh, it's not enough to have the law. We've got to put something more on top of that. So we're going to make it so that a woman cannot even look in the mirror on the Sabbath day because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. And that would be reaping. Oh, help us, Lord. Praise God. I'm starting to get them. Praise God. We don't want people to be tempted to sin on the Sabbath day. So we're going to create all these laws and restrictions. And they had made the Sabbath day, instead of a day of joy and resting in what God had done, they had made it 
a day of bondage, a day of legalism, a day when people could not even carry a burden, and this man was not supposed to carry his bed on the Sabbath day. In fact, they didn't even want you to heal people on the Sabbath day because they considered that working. And Jesus broke down their, all their restrictions, not the laws of God, because the law of God was meant to heal and deliver and set his people free. But he broke down their rules and their restrictions that they had placed on the Sabbath day. And notice what he said in verse 17. He said, Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. The word hitherto is a two-part word. It means he's, it's, it's a moving word, an active word. My father is active. But at the end of that verb, there's no restriction on it. It's an, there's no ending. It goes beyond. It's like a circle. It just keeps on going. Jesus wanted them to know that God is working. And when God is working, there is no end to it. There's no stopping point. You cannot put a restriction on it to keep God from working. I'm preaching to somebody today that when God begins to work, there is nothing that can stop him. There is no rule. There is no restriction. There is no bondage. There is nothing that can restrict God from moving in your life. Praise God. Praise God. I was preaching in Bolivia, South America. I was on a missions trip. I was able to go home and, and be with, uh, with some of my family members and be able to minister in my dad's home country it was a great, just a tremendous honor for me. And I remember walking into a room. They had a crusade, and they had all these kids. They kind of took the kids off in a room, and they were just kind of babysitting, running around, just kind of playing. And I felt the Lord impressed me to minister to these children. So I, I, uh, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I put on a silly costume and I was doing my voices and, you know, just trying to be funny and 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 share the gospel with them. And uh, they didn't know who Donald Trump was, but let me tell you something. We were doing tremendous things. It was amazing. It was incredible. <laughs> oh, y'all, just pray for me here this morning. But I began to tell these children that the Lord wanted to help them, that the Lord fed the 5,000, and he wanted to feed them and fill them with this power. And I watched as these kids, I said, now if you, have, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, I want you to just lift your hand. And the kids, about 18 of them in that room lifted their hands that they'd never received the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. And I said, okay. I said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent of our sins. And we repented and asked God to forgive us. Folks, if you're going to come to God, you've got to turn to Him with all of your heart. You've got to turn away from anything you've been doing that doesn't please God, anything that makes your heart feel heavy, anything that... Uh, keeps you from your walk with the Lord, you've got to turn to Him and say, God, forgive me. Help me to change these things. Help me to get beyond these things and serve you with all of my heart. You know what? He'll forgive us. How many know that He forgives us? He can forgive us of any wrong, any sin. I don't care what you've done. God can forgive you. Praise God. And then I said, well, here's what we're going to do. If you begin to praise God, lift your hands and surrender to Him and worship Him and praise Him with all of your heart, I said, the Spirit of God is going to begin to come in here and God is going to begin to touch your life. And He's going to take control of your lips and your tongue. He's going to speak through you. 
in a language you've never learned before as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Just like on the day of Pentecost, at the early church, when they received the Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Just like in Acts chapter 10, when the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon you. And, and so these little kids, they lifted up their hands, they began to worship God. They begin to say, hallelujah, I worship you, I praise you. Te amo, Señor, necesito Espíritu Santo. I want the Holy Ghost. They begin to worship God and praise Him with all of their hearts. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And I watched kids that their families had been separated. I watched children that didn't have nice clothes on their backs. They, some of them were very poor. They came from the hills and the mountains. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any possessions. Some of them had lost their family. Some of them had gone through terrible situations. But God said, if you're hungry for me, if you want me to move in your life, if you'll reach out to me, I don't look at your age, I don't look at the clothes on your back, I don't look at where you come from, I don't look at the things that you have in the bank account, I want to fill you and I want to move on your life. And I watch as those kids begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost one by one and it confirmed to me that when the Spirit of God begins to move, nothing can stop Him. I said, nothing can stop him. Praise God. Clap your hands and thank the Lord for that today. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I'm telling somebody today, nothing can stop the move of God in your life. You know, too many times we look at ourselves in the mirror and we, we, we're just guilty of talking negative to ourselves too many times. And sometimes it comes from our past. It comes from our background. It comes from the way that we've been raised or the things that we've been a part of, things that have happened. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. And the first thing he does is to bring up your past, to bring up what you've done, to bring up the things that you've failed, the mistakes that you've made. And he will use those things in our lives. And I've seen a lot of people praying, trying to get a breakthrough in their lives. And they cannot get past the things that they've done. They cannot get past what has happened in their life. And they say, you know what, I, I just don't believe that God can do it. I just don't believe that God can change me. I want you to know today that every sin, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that every sin is washed away. And when you begin to call on the name of Jesus, there is power in His name. And nothing can stop when you begin to speak the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember my aunt, old prayer warrior, she began to tell me one time, I said, you know, her name is Diane Bjorklund. I don't know if anybody knows Diane Bjorklund, but she began to tell me, Jacob, you're going through some depression right now. You're going through some discouragement right now. She said, I was in my dorm room at Gateway College. I didn't have any money. I was looking through my friend's cars for quarters. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Praise God. Y'all just pretend like you don't even know what I'm talking about. About the holiest group of people I ever met here. Praise God. But she said, Jacob, you need to begin to call on the name of Jesus. Now, it sounds so elementary, doesn't it? But when you begin to speak the name of Jesus with authority, 
And I began to walk in that dorm room. I said, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I command you, Satan, to leave my life, to get out of my life. And all of a sudden, that spirit of God began to stir up within me. That power of God began to fill the room. And I want you to know there was a joy that came upon my life. Sometimes you just got to speak the name of Jesus. Sometimes you just have to put everything out of your mind and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to move in my life right now. I wonder if somebody right now, can we just call on the name of Jesus? Anybody know how to pray today? Can you just call on the name of Jesus? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we need you right now. Jesus, we need you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, folks, I'm done preaching. I want the musicians to come. But I feel like the Holy Ghost has stepped into this room right now. And there's somebody here that you have a need in your life. The Lord is wanting to do a work. I wonder if we could stand all over this place. I'm done preaching. We could look, it's not even 11.15. This might be a record for me. I don't know. Praise God. But the Holy Ghost is here right now. And I feel to tell somebody today that God wants to minister in your life. Now, this isn't for everybody. Some of you, everything's going great, and, you know, the Lord's moving in your life, and everything's fine. You just put this in your back pocket. You put this message back there, and, and someday along the road, the Lord will remind you of it. But there's somebody here this morning, you need God to move in your life in a situation. It doesn't mean you're a horrible, rotten sinner. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you want to get closer to God. If you can feel the presence of God, that means He wants to move in your life. He wants to draw you closer to Him. Now, we get a complex too many times about praying and seeking after God that if I start praying and crying and seeking the Lord that maybe there's something wrong with me. That doesn't mean it at all. It just means you're trying to get closer to God. I think we all should be trying to get closer to Him. Is that right? Praise God. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to partner. I want us to get in groups of three or four people, if that's all right. Now, I know if you're germaphobe, put your arm around their shoulder or just, you know, whatever, whatever you have to do. But I want us to get in groups of three or four people, men to men, ladies to ladies. I want us to join up together. I know it's a little out of the box, a little different today, but can we do that? Just step out in the aisle. Let's just get in some groups today. If you want to come down to the front, you can come down to the front. If you want to just step out in the aisle, wherever you are. But we're going to pray for a little while. Is that all right? We're Pentecostal. we got a few more minutes before we go get a cheeseburger. But we're going to pray and take some time and seek the Lord because somebody has a need today. Somebody needs a miracle in their life. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for helping us. Right now, let's begin to pray together.